0: Today's program is brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After
1: the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Alice Marcus-Krieg.
0: And I'm Carmen DeVito.
1: We are Groundworks, Inc., and we design, install, and maintain gardens in and around New York City. We Dig Plants brings the culture to horticulture, and in doing so, today we're going to talk about photography in the world of plant exploration and scientific discovery. So today's guest, uh, we met at the Garden Writers Conference. Her name is Julie Shapiro. And her resume and work are outstanding. Julie is our guest, and she has the best, best job in the world, I think. When I was putting the show together, I just wanted to be Julie. I just wanted to (laughs) quit my life and spend my time as Julie does. Um, But before we begin talking about what she does... Let's contextualize today's show with a bit of nerdy history
0: and our horticultural honoree of the week. Thank you, Jack. So this week, uh, as we were posting about, um, is another Harvard uh, person. Julie works at Harvard University. Um, Our honoree is plant explorer Frank N. Meyer. And this gentleman, um, a little more than 100 years ago, introduced... Approximately twenty five hundred new plants into our contemporary lives. Um, soybean, soybean, um, <laughs> you know, different kinds of lilacs. Um, the Meyer lemon is la- named after him. Um, he emigrated from from Holland to America, where he kind of changed his name um, to Frank Meyer, and he went to work right away for for the for the USDA, working under a scientist by the name of Irwin Smith. Um, who was known internationally for his groundbreaking work in bacteriology, but um, Meyer was a little bit had a little bit of a wanderlust, and he liked to travel. Um, so he started working at the uh, introduction station in Santa Ana, California, and then he started in 1905 his expeditions to Asia, and that's where he found his most productive time. Um, he collected plants from China, from Russia, and Japan, as well as other countries. During his second expedition. Um, from 1909 to 1912, he collected in Europe, Russia, and also in China, and then he went back again, um, from 1913 to 1915. His final expedition was um, started in 1916 and, he, and to 1918, and he died a sort of untimely death um, in June of 1918. He kind of fell off um, a boat, a, a boat, a river boat that <laughs> mysterious. was
1: mysterious. But there was a lot of political. Craziness going on in China yeah. at the time. So. Yeah,
0: and they weren't too keen on, on Europeans and Americans going right. there. But we have we have him to thank for uh, so many different introductions, inc- including the lilacs, the Myri Lilacs, lilacs, um, that uh, and also elms. You know, he was into uh, studying Dutch elm disease. He was an incredible incredible guy. We encourage you to read more about him, and I think his. Um, I think his letters and everything are at Harvard. Yeah, right, so Alice? his photos and his um, photos, and that's the important part of this is that he was trying to encourage people to use photography instead of the instead, hand, hand, hand illustration. Drawing. Right, yeah. exactly. So, so he sold or he
1: turned over all of these drawings. To the Arnold Arboretum,
0: yes, and yeah. that
1: ties in with our great friend Emma Julie Steamed Shapiro colleague <laughs> Julie Shapiro.
2: Julie, yes. how are you? I am great. What a great day to listen to your, <clears throat> your background uh, about Frank Meyer. That's fabulous. What a nice lead-in that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm honored to be uh, in the same you know 30-second breath with him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Forty minutes. Forty minutes. <laughs>
2: Thirty minutes. There you go. Absolutely fantastic. Listen, before we do get started, while you're on Frank Meyer, I wanted to tell you that, and I don't know if you guys have read this book, but it might be nice for, for your readers your listeners to know that about 30 years ago, there was a wonderful book called Frank Meyer, Plant Hunter in Asia, written by Isabel Cunningham mm-hmm. and uh, produced by Iowa Press. And it's a terrific book about the trials and tribulations of, you know, uh, 20th century plant hunters. And it's just fabulous. There are lovely photographs in it as well. I'm going to have to find them. Print, uh. But I'm sure you can find it somewhere in a library or on
1: Amazon. And it really is great. Well, one of my favorite kind of silly websites is PlantExplorers.com. Yes, <laughs> it's a great site, and it, it has great synopsis <laughs> overviews of of the Plant Explorers. And on that site, I saw lots of images of his photographic work. Yes. He did landscapes and buildings, not only just not only plants, but he really contextualized. The, the scenery and the environment. The people. And the people. He had beautiful
0: yeah. photographs. I was I was really curious to know what kind of equipment he used, because at the yeah. time he was probably using pretty boxy, heavy
2: mm-hmm.
0: equipment.
2: Yeah, you know? I'm sure. He, he, he was, and, and you've got to remember that, you know, these guys were producing um, glass slides. Yes, right. So on their expeditions, while they're, you know, trying to... Uh, trying to direct themselves with their uh, little assistance from the areas in China and all over the world where they were exploring in these um, hauled out canoes made of wood or, or floats or steamboats. Right. Um, they they had to haul all this stuff. And glass plates were very expensive and very heavy and very delicate.
1: Right. And and that's what you do now at, at- for Harvard, right? You work in there, <laughs> well, herbarium
2: I, I do. I'm. I, I. I call myself a digital digital carpologist, which is um, a term that I sort of coined um, ten or fifteen years ago. Um, the study of the digital study of seed morphology and. Diagnostics for just photographing seed as it is in situ and, uh, under, uh, under scientific conditions so that people can really see them. Breeders, horticulturists, biologists, botanists, etc. Um, we have run into some really interesting stories and, and nice, nice problems, uh, running up, uh, regarding seed and its shape and size. And I just, uh, real, you know, I realized myself that I ran into a, uh, a time about 15 years ago where I was getting uh, botanists and horticulturists were saying, well, what? why is it, it's not important to take photographs of seeds. We, our drawings are enough. No. And I thought, I really want to show you why drawings aren't enough. Drawings are wonderful to have as just, an, and photographs are just another fact to have in your bag of tricks along with, Uh, illustrations, etc., and contextual photographs as well. Um, It's really very important. So I just started doing that. I was very lucky to uh, be working on a project that uh, I collaborated with colleagues at the Arnold Arboretum at Harvard University (laughs) for a number of years on a project called the SHIP Project, the Cedar Barium Image Project. And after that, I was asked to go over to the Herbaria at Harvard on campus in Cambridge to work on another digitization project of their type specimens. This time with high-resolution cameras and uh, high-resolution flatbed scanners to digitize type specimens and belong to this sort of this huge collaboration project called the Global Plants Initiative.
0: Okay, hang on, hang on. Wait, we're getting I, ahead of ourselves. Yes, we I
1: want, I, I, want <laughs> I want, let's start at like ground zero and let's okay. talk about how you came to this because this whole world is so uh, it's so interdisciplinary. It's art, it's photography, it's science, it's Taxology, tax- taxonomy, taxonomy, it's plant hunting, it's history. It's so huge. So tell us how you, Julie Shapiro. Came to this because that story in itself is amazing.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I I I started by as a young kid. Um, I was i I got some plants, moved some plants from the woods of my grandfather 's house into a wildflower garden, and my mom let me have this little garden i If I went back it was probably and to look at it now it was, would probably be about three feet square but when when I was a child it it it, it feel, felt like it was a whole field of um, plants under this pink dogwood tree that I was <laughs> allowed to grow there, and it was all my job to tend to them uh-huh. and these were all native plants at the time and this was and I in probably California had 20 or thirty plants. There, that I drew, um, divided, uh, lo- uh, gave to friends, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as a little kid. Right. Um, but I've always been into plants. Uh, my grandfather and my mom just had an affinity for plants. M- my dad. Was a, uh, a photographer just in his own right uh, Off the cuff from his Just to, to, to make the day brighter He right. uh, photographed things And gave me a camera mm-hmm. When I was a teenager okay. And then I started taking photographs Of everything but including m- Mostly non-people Mostly plant material and hmm. buildings and things mm-hmm. And um, so that's how that happened I, um, I never really went into it When I went to school in high school, I used to do work with hydroponics because I thought it was so cool. I thought, how could you grow plants with no soil? Right. So I headed up a project and studied everything I could about it, and they made me the head of the greenhouse there. So I did a hydroponic um, study. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what happened after that? I I left the plant world. I minored in it in college but went into entertainment and uh, and and art and theater mm-hmm. and became a an actor's agent in New York and Los Angeles and the Lower East
1: Side, <laughs> right? The Lower East Side of New York.
2: <laughs> and and then um, became a uh, musician for about thirty years, doing uh, voiceovers and uh, session work and vocal work uh, and guitar playing in the nineteen late seventies, eighties, and nineties, I guess. I never really went back into plants until I uh, attended a garden club lecture that I was dragged to by a friend. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in the front row and saw this color combination and plant combinations that I'd never seen before. And I was just balled over. And I was so in a trance by all of this that I. Got up at the end and busted my way through the front because everyone wanted to talk to this plant designer, and I said, you know, listen, if you ever need anyone to help you, I would be more than willing to do that. Because at the time, my husband had a pretty okay job, and I we could do it on one salary. This mm-hmm. was in the nineteen um, late eighties, early nineties. And she looked at me and she said, oh, as a matter of fact, I just lost my assistant last week, so if you can start on Tuesday, that would be great. (laughs) Great. So I did so, and I worked with her for a number of years. She used to grow a lot of things from seed. So that is sort of where it was concentrated with me as far as growing plants from seed. And because of that, I started paying attention to what the seed looked like, and I was absolutely flabbergasted Mm -hmm. with the shape size color um design of them yes
0: yeah yeah when you showed photos julie at the conference and in pittsburgh first of all Hmm. your your talk your lecture was hands down my absolute favorite yeah most interesting your story Lightning. everything yeah And, and your story was was so interesting that's why we wanted to have you on and when you showed those photos of the seeds I mean, you know, I've been looking at seeds all my life, and I just saw them in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, just the detail, the beauty of them, mm-hmm. and and yeah. as you were saying, the design. Because Alice and I design on the macro level, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and to yeah. see design at that very small level, at the very it, fundamental level, yeah, you know, was
2: was inspiring. Yeah. Well, can you imagine? Just take, for instance, there's a seed called Beraria. It's um, it grows in hot climates. So just picture this. It looks sort of like um, looks sort of like a like a long conga drum, except it has ridges inside it along the outside. So it sort of looks like the back of an amplifier and it's used that same way scientifically where the back of amps have those metal fins on the back mm-hmm. that dissipate heat so that it, they don't overheat. The seed is, this seed is constructed the same darn way I hope that's not a swear word. Um, (laughs) And the fins go in and out of this all the way around the seed so that when it's dropped on 127-degree soil, Mm -hmm. it does not desiccate until the rains come, which give it about maybe an eighth of an inch of rain, and that's all it needs, and it's done, and it's wonderful, and the embryo is saved. So, I mean, that kind of construction, not only is it beautiful, but it is so important to the life of that seed. Its form
1: follows function. Exactly. Yeah. And that's I mean that's the you know, that's the best of art, like and mm-hmm. science together and that's why I want your job. I wanna I wanna <laughs> be your assistant, Julie. Because Well
2: it got it gets so bad that um I get uh, I get emails and photographs from all over my colleagues and people that I don't even know from different parts of the world saying, What is this? What right. is this? I just found this. What do you think this is? Right. Do you know what this kind of seed is? What do I do with this seed? Mm-hmm. So it's really a compliment and an honor, and many times I have absolutely no clue. Uh, but it makes me research, and I love... I'm a, I'm a research hound, Yeah, um, yeah and yeah. I love doing this. And I also like growing these things from seed, too. So I do a lot of horticulture work in growing the same things I photograph. Number one, because if they're really rare, if I get um, a colleague who sends me five seeds and says, "See, photograph these, but see what you can do with this, because we don't have a recipe on how to germinate these. Hmm. So I do little tests, freezing, thawing outside, inside, cutting them, not cutting them. It's really very exciting. So I set up a lab in my house. So I have a digital laboratory in my house for photographing seeds and uh, a growing space um that probably my husband was very angry that i took it away because it probably could have been a nice room but it's not it's a nice room now <laughs> but, but um that's so that's the kind of i sort of extended myself a little bit to not just photograph seeds and study there diagnostically but also to grow them on and to really become a part of whole uh whole genera of, of seeds, of plants. For instance, at the Arnold Arboretum, we've got uh, what's called the NAPCC Collections, our North American Plant Collections Consortium, collections where different arboreta around the United States have collections that they maintain. We have a number of collections of different genera. We have Stewardia collection, of course, our famous lilac collection, mm-hmm. which everyone knows about on Lilac Sunday on Mother's Day every year, um, and uh, some other collections that are very valuable: Carias, the hickories. So I and and the maples. That's our, one of our biggest collections that we maintain. So in taking photographs of maple fruit of every single one of our taxa. I got to know the form, the function, looking at them so that when you're walking in the woods and you're looking down on snow and you see these like beach seeds that have shifted off and you're walking right by them, you can look down onto the snow and say, I know what kind of a beach that is Yeah. because because you've got your diagnostics. It's just really wonderful. Yeah. So, Um, Along with having nightmares of maple seeds through my head, I I really adored, I I love looking at them and I love knowing what they are and knowing how they grow.
0: I was astounded at the diversity of Mm -hmm. the shapes, sizes, you know, the detail, the differences were, were amazing because that's a... That's kind of like the most iconic seed you can think of, tree seed, you know, it's what you peel and stick on your nose as in, a exactly. in yeah, kid, exactly. you know?
2: Rhinoceros, right. exactly. Yeah, we, we all yeah. did that, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. And, and
0: most kids don't even think about it.
1: As, as a seed, no, it's you know? just a thing to kick around on the on the sidewalk. And, there, and
0: now, as gardeners, we think of the oh my god, you know, when when we have when, to rake these up. Oh, I, and,
1: and how many are going to go to seed? And now I'm going to be weeding them forever. Oh, we weed <laughs> yes, maple yes, seedlings; yes, of course, of
0: they do course. germinate well, very you know, there's, easily.
2: There's... We we found some really rare maple seed and we had some really neat stories happen with some of them that were really interesting. Some of them there's a certain type of species of maple seed that doesn't lie flat. It sort of sits up on its on it, on, on the embryo like a um, like a sail and blows in the wind so they're all sort of sitting up uh, underneath the tree. Oh, gorgeous. and you can see how that sort of blowing wind effect will make it become a drill bit almost and yeah. drill that embryo into the ground so that it can germinate right. as it goes back and forth and back and forth. It's really, it was wonderful. We had never seen that before, but by looking at the seed up close and personal, you really got a glimpse of what that engineering skill and design is, is all about. Okay. Let me ask
1: you this. Let's Let's hmm. go for a second to to the Arnold Arboretum and to the history and the collection, can you just enlighten our listeners about that?
2: Yeah, the uh, the Arnold was started. Um, it was a it was a um, an institute uh, along with uh, it belongs to Harvard or, uh, the Harvard University. Mm-hmm. Um, our first director was Sargent. Uh, very important gentleman in his own right, and sent out uh, collections, uh, collection plant hunters. Our first very f- most famous one was sent by Veach. Sergeant sent him out, uh, Ernest Wilson, Ernest China Wilson, out right. in the early... 1900s to collect plants mm-hmm. for the arboretum in China, and he made a number of wonderful <laughs> expeditions. Um, that's where the the beautiful sequoia was discovered, um, and the Davidia, and many other many other wonderful plants. He also sergeant worked with a number of people, uh, as well as. Um, Frank Meyer, um, and uh, we then have wonderful collections. The George w- Russell Shaw was part of the Arnold Arboretum. It's one of the greatest arboretum in the United States and yeah. one of the oldest. And that's what I was um, going to say.
1: It's one of the oldest collection yeah. houses. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this this really predates any sort of government program in horticulture, right? Yes. This is... I mean this is this is like you know on par with Q right Yes yeah
2: yes and those are that we we do a lot of work with our colleagues uh-huh. uh, in at, at Q in Edinburgh and Q in uh, in London as well.
0: Right, and they got a much uh, longer start. You know, they yeah. had a couple of centuries head start. So we're not doing too badly, Julie. Considering, <laughs> <laughs>
2: right? you're absolutely right. You're right. absolutely. You right. know,
0: we when we when we decide as Americans to go do something, we I mean, yeah. to send Meyer out there to come back with thousands of new right. kinds of plants. You know, and I love that the USDA was funding him. Uh-huh. Do you yeah. know? I mean, I don't know if the USDA is doing any of that anymore. And we're only talking about about a hundred years ago, a little bit over a hundred years ago that the USDA felt it was important enough. And I say this because we're on a radio station that's all about food. Uh-huh. You know, yes. they felt it was important enough to pay for somebody to go for multiple years yes. to go collect Food, you know, not not just ornamental crops. Of course, that's important too. But food crops, right? To see what else. Well,
1: how do,
2: how
0: else are we going to stabilize the prairie? Come, you know,
1: come the dust exactly, ball, you know? exactly.
2: I mean, you were talking about soybeans. I mean, Meyer was was one of the ones who brought back soybeans, right? Right. Um, and grasses right. to stabilize soil, right. Um, It's just, it it is wonderful. It's it's interesting. I attended a lecture years ago at the Arnold by one of our colleagues there who had been documenting collection trips over a 100 years, and how they dipped, and it was a sort of, he, he graphed it out for us. It was oh. really interesting. I'd like to, when you I'd like to hear that When you compare the sort of thrusts of, of certain directors of the Arnold Arboretum, <laughs> or thrusts of what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and how it sort of ebbed and flowed, very, very interesting. Right, yeah.
1: Who did that lecture? I'd love to look that up.
2: I do don't remember? remember but I could get that information for you. I'm writing it down right now so I do not forget.
1: Yeah. I mean and and so what you're are you cataloging so you are digitizing the existing seeds that are in the collection and then yes. you're also doing new work, new yes. things that are found. Yes. That's what's amazing is that you are bridging two worlds it's it's you have the best job again <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it is it, it is wonderful and i'll never i mean it's there's there's always job security in this because there's always new seed and we're coming up with all sorts of interesting things that happen to seed that we need to try and document the one thing that i is a goal of mine within the next five years, and I'm afraid I don't have that science under my belt. That technology is working with scanning electron microscopes, which will be the next, which will be the next, uh, my next sort of research haunt um, of of getting that that technology under my belt, uh-huh. because that is that you really get down to the nitty gritty, as I say, component level to these seeds. I can only get so close. You know, I get to, um, I get to centimeters and millimeters, you know, a Mm -hmm. centimeter being the thickness of a dime and a millimeter sort of about the width of a straight pin. So we're getting pretty small with the work that I do, but with scanning electron microscopes, you really, really can see what's going on. Um, I've seen lovely work by scientists who are working with Lamiaceae with uh, mints and things in the mint family, which is a huge, amazing family. Most of our herbs come from that family, and they show the surface of the leaf and you see the little trichome hairs but in between that you see these beautiful clear sort of clear paperweight bubbles and those are the oils of a mint leaf
0: Oh, I'd and love to see that. That's the gorgeous. coolest thing, and
2: all I can think of is oh, I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, so here I that's am. That's great. This is, that's my next goal.
1: Well, hang on, Julie. We have to take a break. Um, hang on. You're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network.
0: Today's program was brought to you by Rolling Press. Rolling Press is a family-run digital and offset print house that brings together eco-friendly methods, ethical practices, and personalized service. Using environmentally responsible papers, non-toxic inks, and wind power, Rolling Press represents the harmony of traditional craftsmanship and mindful sustainability. Rolling Press offers advice on reducing paper waste and energy consumption, helping you save money and minimize your carbon footprint. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. Hi, welcome back to Weedic Plants. I'm Carmen DeVito. And here, I'm Alice. We're here with Julie McIntosh Shapiro, who works at um, the Arnold Arboretum. Julie, are you with us?
2: Yes, I certainly am. Okay, Hi.
0: good. Well, Alice, I also want to ask you a little bit about your traveling, traveling around and your documentation projects. Um, and some of
2: the new stuff that and, you're photographing. Yes,
0: tell us about that.
2: Well, I uh, some of the new things are are. are, are work that I've been doing with another project over at the Harvard Herberia in Panama and in Spain, uh, getting taking photographs of native plants there um, in the jungles and out in the sort of deserts up there. I fell in love with a certain type of a plant, and I would go out every year to different states of, of the western part of the United States and photograph those plants in situ and meet people who had like-minded uh, Jones, as I did, <laughs> of this type of a plant. And are you talking um, about But the right new But the new things are keeping me pretty much in Panama and in Europe um, at this time. Uh, I don't have any um, expeditions coming up lately, but my last one was just this past September, uh, in Panama, and it was really very fruitful. We had a great time; got a lot of work done. And what plant? What plant is bringing
1: you to Panama? Is it penstemons?
2: No, I'm afraid they don't have them down there. <laughs> oh, okay. But it's it's mostly uh, tropical plants right. that we're looking at: palms, orchids, uh-huh. um, um, uh, poinsettia family plants, hmm. euphorbias, oh, okay. that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and are you photographing the seeds? And the plants in situ? Yeah. Okay.
2: Yes. And, uh, you know, the 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 problem with being a seed pho- photographer is that, uh, a uh, a digital carpologist, is that when plants are in flower, they're usually not in seed. Yes. Oh, right, right. So that means um, I have to make two trips, and if I'm going up 11,000 feet or something like that, and it's in flower, I mean, I have people that, that, that's, that scan for me to see what, what the plants are doing at a present time, or I document them so that I remember where to go back to at a certain time, how many months ahead, or mm. before to see it in flower, or after to collect seed or photograph the seed. So sometimes, and sometimes you get out to a place or you climb up to a place, and it takes you all day or two days or three days, and there's nothing there because a buffalo has has <laughs> chewed it up, or, a, or, a, or or you know, or a or a tractor has come through. I hate or when a, Rapidly <laughs> eaten it, or so you, you never really know, and right. then it's and then you have to just say goodbye and go back and try again.
0: Well, they're not they're not funding expeditions like they used to. That you can go for a year or two, right? That would be great.
2: Wouldn't <laughs> right. that be wonderful? I would love it. I mean, I am I'm, I'm fine in a teepee, man, fine. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what was the most surprising find from Panama on this last ex- expedition? What did you find that was well, unusual? Well, as
2: a matter of fact, uh, not this year, but last year. Uh, one of my colleagues discovered a new, uh, euphorbia, which hmm. is, was quite nice. I mean, we always think we have enough of those plants. It's a huge family. And, um, of course, it was growing right by a river in plain sight. It's been growing there probably forever, saying, look at me, guys, I'm over here. Yeah. You've never seen me before. Come on. <laughs> and we and we finally got it. We finally got over there and said, oh, this is totally new. Cool. So um, papers have been written about it, and it's been documented now. And the, fo- the photography that I did was part of the um, documentation. So it's really, it was really quite rewarding and fun to be with someone, a colleague, who's discovered something brand new yeah. in the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, that must have been a fun night in the tent.
2: It was. It was fun. We hip really flask and all.
0: <laughs> you know there's hip flasks on those trips.
1: <laughs> so here's a question. Say no more. Here's a question for you. I'm going to go under the sea for a minute. Is there much work going on um, in seaweed? Oh, um, why do you ask me that, may I ask? The reason I ask is that there, at the turn of the century, there was a British photographer, um, mm-hmm. and I can't think of her name right now. A, a client of ours actually curated a show. It was at the Drawing Center. Um, I'm sorry, I can't think of her name right now. But she did all these kind of sun prints and photography of of the seaweed that would wash up on shore. Um, In England, and it's a beautiful, beautiful catalog. Unfortunately, it's out of print. Um, But so I just wondered if Harvard, being Harvard, had any any of this collection? Like you know,
2: I don't know. That's uh, you know, it's funny that you said seaweed because one of my one of my projects in my little bag of tricks is to document the seed of seaweed since most people don't know what it looks like now a lot of seaweed is not uh, doesn't doesn't produce seed of course but there are seaweeds that produce seed Mm -hmm. and those are the things that i want to document it's funny that you should mention seaweed because that really is a that's a very cool project but um amongst the the uh, the collections that we've got now where I'm working presently at the uh, Herbaria in Cambridge are uh, cryptogamic collections, and, and that falls under seaweed. We have a lot of pressed seaweed that's been pressed for hundreds of years yeah. on sheets of paper and documented. But I don't know about this one, and I have a feeling that you know there are not a lot of they're not a lot of seaweed researchers.
1: No. And the thing is, I, I, I think about it a lot because, of course, there's a lot of um, animal studies, you know, um, yep. and and I, and I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, so I'm, like, embedded in National Geographic shark videos, <laughs> but, um, but there's a lot of research in the ocean that we need to, you know, that could be very life-saving to us as absolutely. humans. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean,
2: I'm in Massachusetts here. I'm right near um, yeah, Huey, you know, the, the Oceanographic Institute. Yes, so, yeah. um, I, Pairing with those guys doing a, a project on seaweed seeds would be really quite lovely and wonderful. Well,
1: if you need an assistant. <laughs> yeah.
2: There, there you go. There you go. There. I've just
1: see I've handed you a project, now we just got to get the funding for it. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. That's, you know, that's usually when you're doing these kind of exciting things that um outside of your institutions um, you have to you you have to I'm afraid those are the kind of things that you got to think about yeah. and Yeah. There is money out there. There is funding out there, but the work you have to do to get it is is um is not prohibitive, but it just takes a long time. And, I mean, if you really believe in these projects, you just have to go get it and uh, go work called, on it and get it done. It's
1: called and Pfizer. It's, <laughs> Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer money.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: So here's a, here's um, another question. Carmen and I, a year ago this month, mm-hmm. we went to Q. Um, mm-hmm. And we, had, we actually went for a botanical art exhibit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we got a tour mm-hmm. of the archivist for Q and I wonder if you know him his name is Chris Mills and he's in charge of the biodiversity library at Q and I wondered if you are working with him at all
2: I'm not but Chris works I know his name Chris works for the biodiversity heritage library yeah um and and that is is, isn't that what it is yes the the, the BHL
1: yeah BHL
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, the director of our botany library, Judith Warnament, is also part of BHL, one of the founding members of BHL. Uh And they, all those guys work together. As a matter of fact, they just published a book that I brought down to my friend in D.C. this past weekend that I'm published in. Um, I shot some of the photography for the book. It's a curation book that, that Q put out, published, that each chapter was written by a colleague, uh-huh. Uh, t- uh, regarding curation, oh. and um, Chris was involved in that definitely. But we don't we we haven't come into contact the the two of us mostly. Okay. I, we just know each other's names. Right,
1: right, right. <laughs> so tell me what what are you working on right at the minute? Like tomorrow, what are you going to do tomorrow? What's your day like tomorrow?
2: Tomorrow is uh, going in after a little bit of a break and working on. Uh Photographing plant specimens and mounting specimens from uh, collections from the ni- 1930s and 1940s. Um, I'm How working do you mount them? on um, mounting plant specimens from our collections that are historic collections that have never been mounted before on, you know, the paper sheets, the herbarium sheets. Mm-hmm. They've been sitting waiting for someone. Uh, again, waiting for someone to mount these uh, specimens so that researchers can see them and that they can be then sourced into our collection for the next hundred years. So Um, tell me
1: about the mounting process. What, how does that, what is the paper vellum? Like, what is it?
2: It is... So, so you you press a plant the way you do it in a book, but botanists press them in plant presses. Mm-hmm. They press them in uh, presses under pressure and with heat. The plants are dried, and then they're leaved into usually newspaper of the time and newspaper of the area that they are in. In other words, hmm. the specimens I've been mounting the last month from 1919 have been from Oklahoma, uh, a botanist from Oklahoma. And so all of his specimens were leaved inside folds of the Oklahoma, I forget what the, the Oklahoma Examiner, I think that was, <laughs> that's what it was, um, and dated 1919 during the war. Okay. Okay. Uh, And you open up this old newspaper from 1919 where bread was a nickel and all this other kind of jazz and soldiers and fashion and everything, and there's a plant that he collected with his label and his writing and any pertinent information. Sometimes he collected seed, sometimes he collected the root because it was diagnostic of some sort, and the leaves and flowers if it were in flower. I take that and I lay it out on a piece of archival plant paper, Mm -hmm. which is a harder, you know, thicker type of a paper, add his label, add packets so that I can put any seeds inside, any extraneous leaves, and I arrange the plant so that botanists from now on, so you're thinking, okay, from today for a hundred years, I need someone to be able to look at this plant and see everything they need to see. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: So you get the Boston Globe as you walk into... (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> so was it? Was it's a, amazing. I mean, when <laughs> when researchers go to China, yeah, it, they're all Chinese newspapers. Right. When they go to Latin America, they're all Latin American. Russia. It's it's just it's it is quite amazing, and things that have been sitting for you know for 100 years for 90 70 70 80 years right um, you, uh, you you get sort of carried away and these plant and the plants are still some of these campanula that are blue are still blue from 1919
0: I was going to ask you about that Julie I mean how was was newspaper used because of its economy and just being available I mean they weren't th- were, they weren't thinking about acidity levels and archival you know they just needed something to to sort of put in between, right? They weren't yes. thinking long-term. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, and a lot of times, I mean, the the glues and the adhesives and the kind of preparation they would put on paper were really lethal back in the day. I yeah. mean, they used all sorts of lethal chemicals to dry out plants, and the glues were... Not lethal, but the glues were made of, you know, the, the lac bug. They were sort of shellacky, yeah. and after a number of years of sitting flat uh, with poundage on top of them of other plant specimens, they would sort of crack off, or the leaves would crack, and the shellac would stay. So I do a lot of um, I do a lot of repair work for some of these old historic collections. Mm-hmm. Um I just finished uh photographing though uh, some herbariums that were that are really historic and we're very proud of them we're about to release some um we're about to release some visuals and history about Henry David Thoreau's herbarium that he had oh. um, it's really quite a wonderful collection and wow. it was given it, it's been passed it's been passed around for a hundred years or so after he died and harvard was uh... bequested this and it was given to the Botany Library, and the library asked me if I wouldn't uh, photograph these herbarium specimens of that he, that Thoreau collected. And you see his handwriting across them in pencil. It's just, it was just a thrill to do that. So we're going to be releasing those uh, sometime this year, I think. So that will be really exciting for people to see those once, you know, yeah. um, never before seen.
0: Is it going to be an exhibit for the public, or is it yeah. going to be strictly yeah, for...? Yeah, it will
2: probably be a, a, a special exhibit. Exhibit and also an online exhibit too, so that yeah. you really can see those those herbarium specimens really close up.
1: Well, it was lovely to look at the uh, Myers photographs. Yes, and, and I, you know, there I was sitting in my living room in my pajamas, drinking <laughs> coffee. But I was, I mean, I was around. I was on the other side of the earth, you know. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. So what? I mean, what a like fantastic huge world you're working in your your fingers are just touching everything it's a it's amazing yeah and I, I am so
2: <laughs> fortunate uh it's and and i as i tell you man we've got there are at least a million specimens that i have to start that i that i'm going to be looking at so i'm going to be around for a while well you know uh,
1: it's funny it's sad. you know you were talking about all the work you know yeah and i was thinking God, you know, Forbes and USA Today never say, hey, here's a field you should go into,
2: you know? But yet, yet here's like... You know, if someone had told me that when I was, you know, singing on stage at the Mud Club, I would have said, excuse me, but you might want to have another beer. Huh. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, we missed you at the at the uh, venue at GWA. Uh, yeah, your singing debut. Or not your debut, oh.
2: your... Oh, did, yeah. you, did you get to hear any of that? That was sort of fun. No, no. we
0: missed that Night. i forget where we were we we're probably in some kind of I food think I coma just had a migraine after
2: <laughs> uh, I, just, I just think someone dared me you know yeah. and i'm good for a dare <laughs>
0: well i want to we're coming to the end, Julie, but i want to ask you okay so let's say you have unlimited budget you have a benefactor okay who will send you wherever you want to go to mm-hmm. photograph whatever you want to photograph where would mm-hmm. you
2: go uh, well i'll tell you one of my secret projects um I want to photograph seed from lighthouses. Wow. And that's all I'm going to tell you because I want my benefactor to call me at home. <laughs> that's, okay
1: here's, here's one more Here's one more like ridiculous question. Um, yeah. In the food world, everybody always asks the chefs. It's like the big the big question. For your last meal, if you were in prison, what would you eat? If you, on your coffin, what plant
0: do you want on your coffin? Good one. Good one.
2: Oh, that is a good one. Let's see.
0: And I'm assuming dried. Julie, right? <laughs> Pressed? Dried? Okay. okay.
2: No, okay. no, whatever. Oh, live. Oh, live. Yeah, live, live, too. That would sort of more Tisha okay. adams wouldn't it? Okay. But that's exactly <laughs> deal with that. Since my birthday is Halloween, wh- wh- oh. whatever. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <fine. laughs> um, let's see. What would it be? It would be a, um, wow, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I start thinking of the, the largest, uh, those, those, Those navy blue and cream um, um, birds of paradise. Ah, I thought you were. I thought you were gonna. Long and they're like they're like they're like metal flake navy blue and cream. Yes, and they're huge. Yeah. And they grow on on plants that are maybe I don't know twenty sixteen eighteen feet tall. Yeah, you could lay one of those down. That's That'd be cool. awesome. See,
0: I thought you were going to say penstemon. Yeah, <laughs> no,
2: you know <laughs> penstemon are my they're my little dream plant. I I just not only do I love the plants, they're like they they're like snapdragons but mm-hmm. yeah. they're. They're brilliant. The breadth of that family is so unreal. I've been on my hands and knees in the middle of the Nevada desert (laughs) at like a 100 and something degrees, photographing a little penstemon that's only about a half an inch. And and we still don't know who the heck... Pollinates the goddamn thing. Right. Really. Right. Oops. Sorry. I probably swear it again. That's um, but, okay. <laughs> but and we don't we don't even know and it's so low to another penstemon species that is at least five and a half feet tall. Right. With the most bulbous pink, you know, grotesque like, big yeah. big yeah. petticoat like pink bubblegum flowers. Yeah. That look like you you it look like you took a snapdragon and blew like oxygen into it until it just like almost exploded they're just amazing and then every color in between so i'm in that family forever those are and the seeds are just fabulous good well
1: you have just illuminated our world with all of your work and thank you for everything that you do it's been a fantastic 45 minutes Unfortunately, thank you it's come very to much. An- it was
2: a pleasure and an honor to speak to both of you guys. Okay. Thank you, Alice and Carmen. And thank you, Jack. That was I, I love the sound effect, by the way. <laughs> that was cool. And
0: Julie, if we come up to Boston, we'll come up and see you.
2: I would love it. Be my guest. Okay.
0: Good. We're there. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to We Dick Plants on the Heritage Radio Network. The show was uh, produced and engineered by Jack Inslee. Please uh, follow us on Facebook. That's how you guys get free stuff, (laughs) right? And Twitter. And we are going to set up an Instagram account. Someday. Someday. (laughs) Speaking of photographs. Coming soon. So stay tuned and we'll see you next week. Happy gardening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network.